There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can better connect with customers and keep them happy. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, May 17th. I'm Mark Dent, and I'm here with Jacob Cohen and Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to mix it up just a little bit, and we're going to have something of a free-for-all. We're going to discuss a handful of the biggest stories in news and tech with a little bit more depth than usual. You're going to hear about offices, open AI, and the business of Steph Curry, among other things. So let's get into it first with offices. Earlier this year, there was looking to be some good news for the uh, commercial real estate sector, which had only seen bad news for the last three years. Office occupancy levels reached above 50% of the early 2020 averages, the pre-pandemic averages, for the first time since the pandemic. And that's according to the Wall Street Journal. But the problem is here, as of the middle of May, that number has barely budged. Office occupancy is no different than it was three months ago. So this great return to the office that some people predicted has kind of been a bust. And a lot of experts are now thinking that it's probably going to stay that way for a little while. We're three people who rarely go to offices, Jacob being an exception who does sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. What do you guys think of this? There's just been a lot of talk, CEOs saying, let's get back to the office. Let's do this and that. But it's um, maybe we've peaked. Yeah. I mean, I was just reading data earlier that said, this was on Bloomberg, I believe, the share of job seekers who are relocating to take new role somewhere fell to 1.6% in the first quarter of this year. It's the lowest ever on record dating back to the 1980s. So this is a broad trend, I think. Yeah. And another sort of statistic that makes this feel, I guess, very concerning, again, if you're in the commercial real estate sector, especially, is that 49% of companies were requiring employees to be in the office full-time in February, and now that number has dropped to 42%. So even in these three months, you're just, that's a pretty significant drop. And obviously, one of the biggest reasons why is because the economy, thank God, is still humming. It's still going very well, and people are still looking to hire. And people who want jobs, particularly white-collar type of jobs, they don't really want to be in the office full-time. The impact of this could be a lot larger. One think tank has estimated that in New York City, people who stay home who would normally go to the office, the city's losing out on $4,600 annually from each person who who would spend that at various businesses. Wow. So these effects are very significant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember if you went to try to get lunch during kind of primetime COVID era in New York City, some of these spots on a corner of a busy street it'd be a ghost town. And these are places that have, you know, a salad bar that have a line out the door pre-COVID. And now 
I imagine if you go to some of these places, there's a bigger crowd, but it still might not have that line out the door kind of vibe. And clearly, even that still has a large impact on the city itself. And I mean, Mark, looking at the numbers that you shared there, going from 49% down to 42% in the last three months, I think you put it perfectly. I think it's just kind of a recalibration of expectations. And these companies who weren't offering remote working back in February are realizing that for attention and to attract talent, they might just have to. And you start to see people kind of budging on that a little bit. You know, these stories come out often and they will probably for the foreseeable future, but there will probably come a time where we'll just realize that, you know, maybe this is somewhat of a status quo. So I, I don't know, but, you know, we'll keep our eye on it, of course, and see what continues to happen there. So one person who has never had to go to the office because he's really, really good at basketball, <laughs> Stephen Curry. <laughs> But yes, Stephen Curry is potentially getting close to joining the $1 billion club. There's only a couple of active athletes who are in there, Tiger Woods and LeBron James. So Rob, how is Steph Curry getting close to joining them? Yeah. So I think the first athlete that most people think about who's a billionaire is Michael Jordan, Mm -hmm. but obviously he's been retired for a while. Tiger, who's in his 40s at this point, is probably getting close to being retired. And LeBron's going strong. The Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals, but he's getting close to 40. So he's probably going to be out of the league in the next few years. Who knows, though? You never know. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, the guy is in incredible shape and I know he definitely wants to play with his son if he can. So we'll see where that goes. But to your question, Steph Curry is just good at everything. And it it honestly kind of makes me mad. So the guy not only is just the best shooter in NBA history, he's also, and this doesn't have anything to do with the money that he's making, but he's an incredible golfer. Like I looked him up. There's an app called Gin that's like golf handicap index. Mm -hmm. And you can look up anybody's handicap across the country if you're on there. And I looked his handicap up the other day and he's a plus one, which means you're better than a scratch golfer. So this guy who's, (laughs) you know, one of the best basketball players in the league and in history is also an absolutely phenomenal golfer. It's freaking crazy. But as far as how he makes money, he has a lot of different revenue streams. The first and most obvious is his NBA salary, which NBA salaries are massive now compared to years past. The NBA's popularity has skyrocketed. Contracts are huge now. Curry has made $493 million from his NBA contracts to date, which is absolutely crazy. The stuff that I think is a little bit less known is some of the other kind of business ventures that Steph has been a part of. I think more known these days. I I mean, I see him on TV all the time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he has some that I would say are known, some that I think are a little bit less known. He has a very like well-diversified investment portfolio where he's invested in personal finance, tech companies, esports. I don't know if you guys have ever used Miro, that like digital whiteboard platform, but he's an advisor to Miro. I think probably taking a page from his teammate Andre Iguodala's playbook. Iguodala, I think, was an early investor in Zoom and a bunch of other tech companies out in San Francisco. Kevin Durant, too, also 35 ventures. Yeah, totally. That whole Warriors crew, they've got this crazy side hustle. They should just start their own VC firm at this point. (laughs) Totally. This is the one that I didn't know about. He has his own production company, which I didn't realize, Hmm. called Unanimous Media, which apparently has a busy slate and actually has an upcoming Apple TV Plus documentary about Curry himself, which I'm excited to watch. (laughs) He seems like a pretty quiet guy. I haven't really read or seen too much on him. Yeah, he is a pretty quiet guy. It does seem that way, but that's a great example of vertical integration right there. (laughs) (laughs) Although Curry has had a lot of those very successful ventures, but we do, of course, have to admit that he uh, did also partner with FTX. Yes. So (laughs) not everything has been a home run. You miss some of the shots, et cetera. Yeah, he does have one big brick. You're right. That is definitely true. 
So besides his production company, he's also obviously known for a lot of his endorsements. He's got endorsement deals with Google, Chase, Rakuten, and CarMax. But the biggest one that I think everybody knows about is Under Armour. And that's where you really see Steph kind of all over the place. He's basically their answer to Jordan Brand. They've essentially centered their entire basketball shoe around Steph Curry. And the story of how he landed there is incredible. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but he met with Under Armour. And then I think he was meeting with Nike to figure out who he was going to go with for a signature shoe. And the executives at Nike presented a slide deck that they had already presented to Kevin Durant. And one of the people there forgot to change a slide. And it was very obvious that this was a slide deck for Kevin Durant. Yeah. And so Curry went with Under Armour to kind of do his own thing. And now he's just making crazy money from Under Armour. Apparently, if his shoes meet sales targets, his earnings from Under Armour will eclipse his NBA earnings. And that's where you get into billionaire territory. Because as we've already said, he's made about 500 million through his NBA contracts. Wow. Yeah. And obviously, that's one reason why Michael Jordan has become a billionaire, no longer a current athlete, but his shoe deal gave him some equity and continues to pay him a lot of money every year from Jordan brand. The OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, testified in front of the Senate yesterday. But for people who didn't just live stream that while they were (laughs) working from home, what happened, Jacob? This is just a pleasure watching congressional hearings, you know? Mm, It's just, there's really nothing better. Joy. But, you know, what's actually, I think, the least expected thing that happened for me yesterday was that this was a somewhat cordial, productive hearing in Washington. And that's just the last thing you'd expect from a big tech type hearing. Yesterday, we saw Sam Altman, OpenAI CEO, Mr. ChatGPT himself, head to Capitol Hill for a hearing. And if you watch this, I think the first thing you might have noticed is in a weird way how friendly it was and how friendly lawmakers were being toward Altman. I was thinking about it. They must have, when they were drawing up the game plan, they were probably like, we messed this up big time with the social media companies. Let's be the good cop this time around. (laughs) Get in early, build a good relationship. And I think that's kind of the vibe they wanted to give off. And it's interesting if you think about it, Mark Zuckerberg's first testimony was in 2018 and Facebook was launched in 2004. ChatGPT, on the other hand, was released publicly last year. And AI, of course, could have a much greater impact potentially on our lives than a Facebook. So the lawmakers are getting in early. That was very clear. What's kind of been trickling out both from this hearing and from a lot of news stories regarding, you know, the federal government and AI, you know, Chuck Schumer, for instance, the senator of New York has kind of had his hands in it a little bit is that it just it really is unclear. You know, nobody knows where we're headed with AI because it's such a new technology, of course. You know, we just haven't really learned anything. Elon Musk and Chuck Schumer met a couple of weeks ago. They gave no specifics about what they talked about. I think there's still this really glaring absence of what regulation could even mean. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I have to say, it was a kind of weird hearing, too. A bunch of senators used ChatGPT to ask for its thoughts on related issues and mentioned things that it came up with. You know, I saw one person on Twitter say that perhaps he's calling for regulation for artificial intelligence because if he gets the gears going on that, it will buy him time to continue working in an unregulated environment, but kind of have the ability to say he called for regulation. (laughs) Who knows if that's true? But he also said something very strange, I thought, when the issue of OpenAI being a potential monopoly in the space was brought up. He justified that by saying, basically, you know, the fewer of us you need to keep an eye on, the better. I thought that was a kind of weird comment, uh, definitely something you don't hear every day. No, but it does seem that it's maybe a relatively honest one 
yes. of, of him <laughs> just wanting to have fewer AI companies so that his company can make more money. Right. So it was kind of weird dynamic where it was unclear what everyone's intentions were in this yeah. hearing. But I have to say, it was an interesting one to watch. And I'm sure some interesting clips will come out from it. Yeah. There is a very large monopoly that is not nearly as important as anything involving AI, and that is Taco Tuesday. <laughs> what are you talking about, not nearly as important? <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. As I'm sure some of our listeners know, because it's a fairly well-known story, that saying was copyrighted 30 plus years ago by Taco John's, a chain that is not a huge chain, but I see them every once in a while, particularly in the Midwest. And Taco Bell is kind of sick of it. They have filed a petition with the trademark trial and appeal board saying that this is a commonly used phrase and therefore everyone should be able to use it. I don't know, guys, where do you stand on the Taco Tuesday wars? Didn't LeBron James try to patent this a few years ago and clearly got <laughs> yes. stiff-armed by Taco John? Yeah, he did. And I think also just by like, you know, America uh, stiff-armed him generally when he came up with that idea. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty nuts when you think about it, just because of how often that phrase is used. Everybody does use it. So yeah. it makes no sense on any number of levels that Taco John's kind of has like the sole reason to use it. But that's how things work. Right. You know, they're the ones who came up with it 34 years ago, or at least were smart enough to file for it 34 years ago, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think Taco Bell just has to deal with this. That's just part of the game. And in fairness, Taco Bell, you know, they're a pretty big deal. And I think we had a discussion about them on this podcast no more than a few weeks ago about how they're continuing to be a big deal with all their experimentations and they make a lot of money. I don't really think they need to use Taco Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Every day is tacos there, you know? Yeah, their consultants will come up with some other tongue twister phrase about tacos in no time. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's going to stay that way, or at least the three of us have decided that it should. <laughs> but we'll see what happens with the trademark trial and appeal board. That'll do it for us today. Thank you all for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, please get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team, Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player, Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.